right, today we are going to be wrapping up our series uh, called Intersections, which we've been looking at the last uh, five weeks. Uh, this is a series that's been looking at how to ask key questions in a moment of decision where you're not exactly sure what to do. And we've been looking at the decision-making process, the different emotions that come, and kind of the turmoil that all of us experience as we're surprised by decisions or we feel attacked by decisions that we never thought we would have to make. And so these questions that we've been looking at the last four weeks, and we'll end today with the fifth question, is how do we get clarity in the midst of some of this confusion? Or how do we get help in the midst of not exactly sure knowing which path to take and when to take it? And so I wanted to review uh, where we've been to catch everyone up, and then we'll dig into today's key questions. So the first week we looked at uh, how does this fit into my purpose for living the decision that you're faced with, the opportunity, the pain, the circumstance, whatever is coming your way, a key question to ask is, what is my purpose for my life, and how does this decision I'm facing fit into that? Knowing your purpose greatly helps in the midst of decisions. Uh, the second week, we looked at, uh, am I being completely honest with myself? A lot of times, uh, we are good at coming up for reasons for why we do what we do, and we can even convince ourselves for a certain reason. But when it comes down to it, we have to take a look at ourselves, our own motives, our own reasoning, and decide, am I being really honest with why I'm doing what I'm doing? And how our heart can deceive us, how our heart can kind of lead us down a path that we don't, know what, we don't want to go based on maybe some of the desires that we have. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at, or two weeks ago, we looked at, what story do I want to tell? This kind of fits in along with your purpose, but it's related to every decision that you make fits into a wider story that makes up your life. And if you're not careful, and if you're not sure the story that you want to tell, and who you want to be a part of your story, and who you want your story to be about, then you end up living a story that you never wanted to live, and you live a life of regret. And so that question looked at, how do we prevent that from happening? And last week, we looked at, is there a tension that I need to pay attention to? As we face decisions, oftentimes, there's some things that go on inside of us, an inner turmoil, a lack of peace, this feeling that we shouldn't move beyond this line that we sense is there. We can face that sometimes when we want to do good, but a lot of times, for the Christ follower, the Holy Spirit works in us and creates this lack of peace that kind of gives us pause. And we should stop and look and say, okay, is there something going on? Is there a tension here that I need to pay attention to to make sure I'm making the right decision? So all of these questions are relatively safe questions, but revealing. As you ask them yourself, you may get some clarity. You may kind of get towards some of the motives that you have. They may help you provide some traction. And this is related to really anyone, whether you're a follower of Christ, you're investigating Christianity, or you're not really even sure if you want to be a part of this whole God thing. Today's question is not as safe. In fact, today's question is a little bit more related to the Christ follower. In fact, really, a follower of Christ is the only person that's going to be asking the question that we're looking at today. So if you have committed your life to Christ and he is the boss of your life and you want to consider him and what you do and what you say and how you live, this question is crucial. If you're investigating Christianity, this question gives you a sense of what Christians are all about. Specifically, what is the Christian life 
all about. So based on what you hear today, you may think, wow, that's exactly what I want to live my life for, or wait a second, this is a little bit crazy. Either way, no matter where you are, we hope that this provides some information, provides some perspective that can help you as you make decisions. So today's question, the fifth question, is what would be most honoring to God? What would be most honoring to God as you face a decision, as you look at all the details, as you look at all the circumstances, all the people involved, all the impact that can happen by the decision that you make, this question kind of rises to the top of all that. And it is, am I going to honor God with this decision? How will I honor God with this decision? What kind of a decision can I make that will bring him the most honor? Another way to say it is, how can I make God look good in the decision that I face? How can I make him look good? How can I make following Christ look appealing by the way I handle myself in this problem, by the way I handle myself in this opportunity that's before me? So what is most honoring to God? If you're like me, this picture of honoring God comes a lot of times uh, this time of year, whether you have award ceremonies at graduations or you have uh, the playoffs in sports. There's a part in which people, when they win, when they get success and when they're celebrating, one of the first things people say a lot is, first, I want to thank God. Don't you see that all the time? Or I want to give honor to God or all glory goes to God. And if you're watching an event like sports, sometimes you're thinking, what, what does that have to do with what you just did? And even worse, if sometimes you're cynical, like I can tend to be, you're thinking, what's that person talking about? As they won the award for that song, based on what that song is about, how can that be thanking God for that song? You guys ever do that? I find myself like, what? That makes no sense. But what we see in times when people face this amount of success and when they even face pain, there's a part in which God enters the equation of their life. And it's not my job to speak to the motive of anyone. But what it does is what is made to all of us is as people get this point of success, there's a part of them which they, they want to give God the honor. In fact, giving God the honor is not something that people just decided based on the success that they get. You know what? Let's just thank God. You know, we're going to thank the mom. We're going to thank dad. Let's just throw God in there as well. Now, that could happen. But ultimately, honoring God and thanking him for the success that we experience is actually key to living a life that pleases God. It's actually found in the Bible. Honoring God is one of the most crucial things you see throughout Scripture, honoring and giving glory to God. See, honoring God gives the proper weight of significance He deserves. When God works in your life or when He works in the life of others that you see and they thank God, it's giving God the proper significance for what He has done. That's what honoring God means. Revelations 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. That word glory there is praise. So when people thank God, they are giving God glory. They are praising Him. And honor is value. You're saying, thank you, God. Praise you, God, for how valuable you are. That's what it means to thank God and to give him honor. 
And Revelations talks about why that is. The first is he's the creator of all things. And we talked about that in the first week of this series, how your purpose comes from the one who made you. And it comes back five weeks later. The reason we can honor God is because he created us. He's the creator. He created all things. He's also the preserver. They existed. So God created and they existed. So God didn't just create it and step back and it fail. That's not how God works. God created you. God created me. God created the earth. He stepped in. He made it and he preserves it. It still exists. So we give honor to the one that preserves life, that preserves this thing that he made. And he's the final cause of all things. That's another reason we give him honor. By your will. The reason you are here is because God decided you would be here. The reason the earth looks the way it is is because God decided. The same with the universe. The same with every creation. God, by his will, decided how things would flow. He's the creator. He's the preserver. And by his will, this happens. Life happens. And that's why we are made to bring him honor. Now, one of the things that happens in life because of sin, which sin is really every one of us making a decision to go our own way and missing the mark and not living the life that God has for us. Because of sin, what happens is, although we are the created and part of the creation, there's a part of us that wants to get the honor and glory for ourselves. So sometimes an accurate award ceremony would be someone gets it and says, you know what? I don't really have anyone to thank because this was all about me. Good night. Could you imagine just people like, whoa, that's crazy. But a lot of us, that's kind of within us. That's what sin does. It makes us, if there's glory to be had, we want to have it. If there's honor to be made, we want to make it. We want the glory and honor for ourselves. That's part of the sin. It's part of the fall. It's part of the problem. And you see this. This happens from a young age all the way up to adulthood, the competing, the competitiveness. This just, we want the glory and honor for ourselves. We have our own praiseometer. You know, when somebody compliments us for something at work, it tends to go up and, yes, they notice me. And then all of a sudden, like that fades like a week later, and the praiseometer is a little down. So, you know, you do something like hoping something will see. Hey, made the coffee. Thanks for making the coffee. Praiseometer, right? The problem with the praise meter, it doesn't last. It fluctuates. And when you're on empty, you're just thinking, what can I do to get the honor here? This is in all of us. It kind of feels like a hamster on a wheel. You know, you're just spinning, you're spinning, you're spinning, you're spinning. Glory, honor, I want the attention. I want the attention, glory, honor. And you're spinning and spinning and spinning, and you're not making any progress because that's not how God designed the world to be. There's only one creator. There's only one preserver. And that's God himself. And when we take honor and hold it to ourselves, we don't have the life, the contented life, the good life, the blessed life that God wants to give us. So this is a battle that we have. And in our decisions, this comes out when we're not exactly sure what to do. It comes out, well, do I want to make myself look good by what I'm about to do? Do I want this thing because of really what I want for my own name, for my own family, or, or is this really a part of something bigger? This is a part of honoring God in the midst of these decisions that I'm faced with. 
there's an important truth that's related to the Scripture here. Worthy is God to receive all glory, honor, and power. He's the only one worthy. worthy. The key truth is, as Christ followers, we're supposed to be reflectors of glory, not a collector of glory. We're supposed to reflect it, not collect it. And for a lot of our life, we are going to be battling that idea. Because everything in us has a choice to make. When somebody says something good about our family, when somebody says something good about our work, when somebody says something good about the choice that we made, there's a point in time in the instant where we have to decide, am I going to collect that or am I going to reflect that back to the God who is worthy? And we all face that. That is a critical point of information that we have in the midst of our decisions. The crazy thing about this is we actually can learn about reflecting glory from nature. God made that too, and nature gets it. And you may be thinking, well, nature doesn't have all the stresses and problems I have. That's true, but nature is a model, and you find this in Psalm 19, describes the heavens declaring the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You ever thought about that? When you look up and you see the skies and the heavens, they are saying, Here is a God who made us, who is worthy to be praised. If you're in LA, you're like, why is there so much smog, right? But as you take a step back and as the wind comes, you see the sky and you're supposed to see it and say, wow, worthy is God to be praised. Psalm 19 also describes the sun like this. This is great. It says, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. That's like the sun. It comes saying, I'm here, I'm ready for this day. Because God made me and I am going to shine. So the heavens get it, the sky gets it, the sun gets it, all of creation gets it. Reflect glory, not collect it. So we can even learn from nature. So what would be most honoring to God? This is a key question. I want to unpack this a little bit and look at when you're faced with a decision, what are some things that you can do to ensure that you're thinking in a way that is going to bring God the praise that is due his name? So we're going to look at three keys to that. Three keys to honoring God in important decisions. The first one is consider which choice will do the most good. Whatever you face, consider which choice will do the most good. And Jesus is describing what it means to follow him to the group that was gathered around in the book of Matthew. So he's describing, this is what the Christian life is all about. This is what it means to follow me. And he's describing it to all these people. And he comes up with this great picture of what a life submitted to the honor and glory of God looks like. And it says this in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. This is to the people that follow him. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here is a guide for the external decisions that we make, decisions that are going to affect a lot of people around us, maybe related to our job, maybe related to our family, related to our ministry at Church in the Valley? What are the decisions that we make that are going to bring the most honor to God and also good to others? To each of these, there's a temptation that comes. To each of these keys, there's a temptation. This temptation is when tempted to be lazy 
or cut corners, take full advantage of the opportunity to do good. As you're working through decisions, a lot of times you, you, you just want to settle the matter. There's that tension and you're not sure what you're to do and you just want somebody to make the decision for you. You want to blow past the decision as quick as possible. At least I do. But there's a part in which you actually have to slow down. You have to decide that really me getting what I want or getting an answer as quick as I want, that may not be actually what is honoring to God. What is honoring to God is how can the most good happen? How can the light shine forth so people can see God working in my life. So it's a whole different way of looking. At it. There's no formula. It's basically take a look at what the decision, the impact will make, and decide which of these decisions is going to bring the most honor to God and make the light of Christ in me shine the greatest. A lot of times it means we, we can't be lazy. We can't cut corners whether it's in moral issues, or whether it's just to kind of please the things that we want. So this brings up things like this. Why choose to forgive? If you're in a decision and you're not sure if you can forgive somebody, well, does the choice to forgive shine your light to the person that you forgive? Does it shine your light to the people who know that you have this issue that you've been dealing with? Forgiveness shines this light, and God can work through that good that happens. This is why people give their money away. You ever thought about that? You know, God has commanded the people that follow him to give their money to the work of the church so we can accomplish what we need to accomplish. You ever thought that just that doesn't make any... Why would people give their money away? People work hard for that. Well, the reason you give your money away is because it shines a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. It makes an impact in the earth, makes an impact in the world. So it causes you to make choices that you never thought you'd make. Forgiving people, somebody who wronged you, giving your money away that you've worked hard to give. Or when you do something and so many people are blessed by it and somebody says, wow, that was great how you did that. And you say, you know what? I'm just pleasing God. It's only my duty. Isn't there a part of you that you're just like, yeah, but you want to say, well, Yes, and I did work hard, and you didn't see a lot of things I didn't do, and we're going to do this on the next phase of this idea. Slow down, take a step back, and realize it's not about me. That's what it means. I can't be lazy. I can't cut corners. I have to reflect, not collect. This is what Matthew 5 is talking about. This is what Jesus means. The second key Remember, God is with you in the moment. If you want to honor God, remember, He is with you. That's the key. If you know He's with you, you remember that He is the factor. If you remember that He's the factor, that can prevent you from making decisions that you will regret. I want to describe a passage that kind of describes what it means to have God living within you. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. It says this, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that God lives within you? If you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. This is God guiding you. Who lives in you and who was given to you by God. You don't, do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. 
so that you must honor God with your body. There we get, we see that other word, honor God with your body. This is, how do we face decisions within ourselves, internal decisions? This is really related to morality. The context of this was sexual purity. There's a part, even in our decisions, that even our own body, we have to make a a choice that I'm going to honor God with it. And the scriptures give the reason why, because you were bought with a price. What that's saying is, you actually don't have the rights to your own body. It is God's. Doesn't that seem a little harsh? Doesn't that seem like, wait a second, we're, you know, we're free, freedom, freedom, right? But for the Christ follower, there's a part which you realize that your life is not all about pleasing yourself, seeking pleasure, making choices that just really are designed to give you what you want. There's something bigger going beyond the scene, behind the scenes, and that is God actually is within you. Now think about this. As you face decisions, if you just decided, okay, no matter what this decision, I'm going to honor God with my body, where I take it, what I do with it, how I treat it, wouldn't that prevent a lot of decisions that you don't want to make? If you just decide, I'm going to take this one scripture today and decide I'm going to honor God with my body, how would that change your life? So it's not just what you do. It's actually even the way that you view yourself. And this is the the temptation we need to, to avoid. When tempted to please self, here's the key, live and listen to the Holy Spirit. There's going to be the pull in all of us as we're faced with a decision that we want to please ourselves. We want to please those close to us. But there's something bigger going on, and that is despite that pull to pick the choice that's going to bless you the most, How can I honor God since he lives in me? How can I honor God since he lives, lives in me? The third key, bring your intentions and agenda before God. It's kind of back to the idea of being completely honest with yourself, but one of the keys of honoring God is you are clear before God with why you're doing what you're doing, why you're saying what you're saying, why you're thinking what you're thinking. You're clear before him. You come and you say, here are the things that I really want. I know I don't need them, but I really want them, God. Could you help this to happen? You're honest. You're not trying to pull one over God. Why? Because if you go back to the second key, I just went with, he lives in you. Does God know what you're thinking? Yes. If you're Christ you're like, oh, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Huh? Yeah. He knows what you're thinking. And if he's living within you, he always knows what you're doing. So this third question is really, you know what? I'm not going to hide my desires. I'm not going to hide my agenda. I'm not going to try to pull one over of the God that knows everything that's going on. I'm going to be honest. There's a great story in the Old Testament that describes this, and I'm going to set it up a little bit. It's found in Joshua. It's the story of Achan. And Joshua was leading the Israelites to take the city of Jericho. And if you've never read this story, you can dig into the book of Joshua, and it's a great story for, like, the family. You can get and read it, and there's, you know, 
chanting and shouting and blowing horns and buildings collapsing and the kids will get into it and you'll be like, wow, that happened? You know, it's, it's great. It's a great story. But I wanted to kind of pull back something that happened within this story that shows the importance of this idea of bringing your intentions and agenda before God. So God commanded Joshua and all the Israelites, you, you take the city, you march around it, you shout, you blow horns, and the buildings will collapse. And you're thinking, what? They're, they're going to shout and a building will collapse? Yeah, this is great. Can't make this stuff up. So they did this. The building collapses and they take out the people. But one of God's commands was, do not touch any of their possessions. I want that to be put in the storehouse for me. God is saying, don't take their bounty. That bounty's mine. So they took the, 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 the city, they're getting all the stuff, they're, they're gathering it, and there's this, this, this man called Achan. And he's with people like, wow, God did this, and this is awesome, praise be to God. And he has like a little sack, and he's like sticking, praise be to God, here's silver, here's a crown, here's a robe. And he's like, this is awesome. And he's you know, acting like he's going to take it to the storehouse to where God stored all his bounty, and all of a sudden he, you know, he changed directions, and he doesn't put it there, and he, and he hides it in his tent. What happens is, did God know? Yes. Did God say not to do it? Yes. Did Achan obey? No. Then they go to fight another battle, and they were all killed, all the army that fought. And Joshua goes to God and said, wait a second. You said we were going to overcome our enemies. We took down Jericho. We went to this next battle. What happened? And, and God tells him, your people disobeyed. They collected the bounty for themselves, the treasures for themselves. So this is where the story gets fun. Because if you're aching, you're thinking, uh-oh. A lot of people just died. And I'm not sure, but it may be because of the sack that I've hidden in my tent. I wonder if they're going to find me out. And so Joshua goes on this, you know, Everybody get out of your tent right now. That's like, you know, you know you're in trouble. You know, you're thinking, well, it's too late to run. And I could hide it, but that might not work either. And so you, you see Aiken coming out just probably, you know, shaking like, hey, praise God. It was great. Great battle. And why are you looking nervous, Aiken? You know, just not feeling very well. You know, he's freaking out. And everyone's like, Aiken's look kind of weird. And you, you get the sense like, uh-oh, Aiken is going to be Aiken. See what I did there? That was terrible. <laughs> Joshua 7.19. So all that to say, I want to pick up the story here. Joshua 7.19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. This is where oh, this hurts. Tell me what you have done. Do not, tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So first Achan's thinking like, yeah. I'm going to give glory to God? Sure. Why are you singling me out, Joshua? And he's like, I know why you're singling me out, but I'm just going to act like nothing's happening. Sure, I'll give glory to God. Tell me what you've done. Uh, okay. And so he describes, you know, I, I, I stole a ro robe. You know, there's probably this king. He had this awesome, like, purple robe. And Achan's singing, like, I don't know when I'm going to wear it because we're not supposed to gather in this. But at night when everyone's asleep, I'm going to put it on and just be in my tent like, dude, this is awesome. What is this? You know? And he stole silver and gold. And you're thinking, Achan, you can't sell it. You can't use it. Why'd you do that? Well, you wanted it. And the picture is, he has all these treasures and he's in his tent and he's like royalty himself. 
No one to celebrate with, but just to bring this kind of glorious, honorable treasure for him to enjoy. So Joshua says, you give glory to God, you praise him, you admit it, and you do not hide. Don't try to act. You're doing what you're doing for another reason. You, you be honest. And so he, he admits it. And this is where, like, where you, you have kids, the story just unfolds, and, you know, you, you want them to take seriously that you obey God. They're like, what happened, Dad? Well, Achan and his whole family were killed and everything he owned. Good night. Sleep well. Right? This is Old Testament stories, man. It's like, this is like rated R, right? The whole family got taken out. If you read it in Joshua 7, the whole family gets taken out. Not only the family, but all their animals, like the sweet cows and stuff. I don't even know if there was cows. But something. The sweet animals that you see, well, they're innocent. And they stoned them. And they all died. It wasn't just that, because of Achan wanting to collect the glory instead of reflect it. Many more were killed as well because of the battle that they lost. So this is real stuff. If you're a Christ follower, this giving glory to God, God takes this serious. He is the king. You bow your knee to him and him alone. You don't take credit for what he does in your life. You don't take credit for the good that comes about. You reflect it to him because he is the one that is worthy. So this greatly impacts what we do and what we say in the midst of decisions. We're not going to hide secrets. We're going to be completely honest with God. There's a key question. In the midst of a decision that you have to face, who sits on the throne? Achan wanted to sit in his own throne with his own treasure, in his own tent, having his little kingdom party by himself. But in the midst of decision, who sits on the throne? of your life. Because depending on who sits on your throne greatly impacts what you do. So when tempted to hold on to glory, be a reflector, not a collector. Something that's helpful for me is if you look at a funeral, if you've ever been to a good funeral, there's good and bad funerals. The good funerals are people have hope. They talk about a life that seems like, wow, they really lived their life to the full. They made an impact on their family. They made an impact on their relationships. And ultimately, God is made to seem like, wow, he really worked in this person's life. A bad funeral is people come up and talk, and they're not really sure what to say about this person's life because they don't really know them. They don't really know what they were all about. But have you ever noticed at a funeral, like picture Aiken's funeral, did they have a picture of the stuff he collected? Like, was there a picture of this robe Like he's laying here and stuff that's really important. Is there a picture of his robe or a silver? Or funeral today, is there pictures of the person's paycheck? Like you're sitting there in the funeral and you see all their stuff framed on easels. You don't see that. You don't see their their car. You don't see their paycheck. You don't see their success a lot of times by their material possessions. What you see is the impact they made in the lives of people. And you see the impact they made in their family. You see the impact they made, their Christ follower, on what they did in their relationship with God and how that impacted people. That's what you see. Because in the end, that's what matters. So 
So when we decide to give glory and honor to God, we decide, okay, what is it that I'm going to make the most important in my life? What's going to be the most important? Is it going to be the status, the stuff, the security, the significance that you're trying to build, or is it going to be to give glory and honor to the God who made you? Now, if you're not a Christ follower and you've been investigating, this question can still enter your life because you can decide right now that, you know what, I don't want to live for my glory alone. Because here's the thing, living for my own glory, you living for your own glory, it's not enough. We're not big enough for it to really make a difference. If it's all about just my own glory, it's not enough. Because we were all made to give glory to something. Based on my experiences and as I've read the Bible and as I've interacted with people that have a blessed life, that live life God's way, I've seen that as they have chosen to give glory to God, He is the only one that is big enough to hold it, to make an impact by it, far beyond what I could do by just giving glory to myself. I'm not big enough to hold my own glory, and you're not either. So we're all faced with a decision today as we decide how to move forward, as we decide what to do in a moment where we're not sure if we go this way or that way, the trump card should always be, well, what brings most glory to God? And if God's not a factor, you can decide today that he will be, that you've realized living for your own glory and your own honor really hasn't given you the life that you'd hoped for. Because the content life, where you have what you need and you know that God will take care of you and the blessed life and the happiness that comes, it comes from a life that's decided, I'm going to give honor and glory to God. That's how it works. I want to share a clip with you of, of Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy was a coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And he's a Christ follower, takes God very seriously, and wants to, he wanted to really incorporate that into how he coached. And he... Uh, on this video, just won the AFC championship. This is the game right before the Super Bowl. He went on to win the Super Bowl, but after the AFC championship, uh, he shared about what he was thinking when he was going to be going up to this microphone. And he realized that he was going to be in front of a millions of people for a few seconds, and he had to decide what, what was he going to say. And so I wanted to share this video as, as an illustration of this. Your team today completed the largest comeback in AFC or NFC championship game history. How did you guys do this? Well, we've got a great group of guys, and I'm very proud of them. We talked in the locker room at halftime. We said we just have to keep our poise and continue to play, and we'd have a chance in the fourth quarter. But they've been that way all year. They fought back, and they, they just give so much effort. It's such a unified group. But I, I just have to thank the Lord. He, he did it in such a way that uh, nobody would believe it. And uh, we got to give the Lord a lot of credit for giving us the strength to do it. And Tony, on this historic day where you and your friend Lovey Smith become the first African-American coaches to take teams to the Super Bowl, how much does that and this moment mean to you? It means a lot. I'm very proud to, to represent African-American coaches. I'm so proud of Lovey. Tremendous job they did. 
But more than that today, this is about Indianapolis and the Colts and our team, and we're excited about that. Did you see that? At every point, he had a choice. Do I make it about me and what I've done? And each time, he decided, I'm going to thank the team. Ultimately, he said, I'm going to thank God. He did this in a way that we couldn't do it. He thanked the city. He honored the coach that he was going to be playing two weeks from then. So he took every opportunity in that moment before millions of people to reflect the glory and not collect it. This is the picture. And Tony Dungy in that moment honored God. And I know God saw that and said, I'm pleased with you. My son, Tony, I am pleased with you because he did what he was made to do. So for each of us, now, if you're like me, you're thinking, well, if I ever win an AFC championship, I'm going to do that. I think so. I think I'd do it. Well, think about this. When your kids interact with you and they say something, something that you do well, what do you say? When your kids say something good about what they do, what do you say? When you're in pain and trouble and things are looking bad, what do you say? What do you think? What do you do? We're not going to be on a stage probably in front of millions of people. But there's people watching us wherever we go, and we always have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that we have and to point glory to God. And so this is the challenge that each of us have if you've decided to follow Christ. So I encourage you, you have a platform. People are watching. I encourage you to use that to bring honor to God. I wanted to walk you through some next steps. As the band comes up, we're going to continue in worship. But these next steps are just designed to give you some steps that you can take. As you dig into scriptures, you find that, that really the blessed life comes from doing what the Bible says, not just knowing or just not hearing. And so these steps are designed to help you do. Uh, you may come up with some others based on the message as well. You can jot those down. But on your connection card, pull that out. In a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering, and you can drop that in there. But mark a next step that you can take today. The first is to memorize Revelation 4.11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Maybe you want to focus on one of those keys to honoring God. And so mark that on there. And, and this week, decide how could you do that? How could you focus on that? How could you think differently in a decision that you're faced? You may want to, for the first time, to, to accept Jesus as your Savior and follow Him as Lord. If you want to begin to factor God in, it begins with a relationship with Him. So if you're not sure what that looks like, mark that and we'll walk you through it. And the last two, if you want to attend the preview today, mark that on there. And then the one-on-one class uh, in a couple weeks, you can do that as well. Let's pray together before we sing and receive our offering. God, there's not much to say except that, that you are worthy. And there is no one like you. And we want to look around us to creation as our model and, and realize that we want to proclaim the work of your hands the fact that we are here, that you made us, 
even just in that, we, we give you honor. Because there's no creator like you. There's no God that amounts to the power that you have, that can do the work of your hands like you do it. You are God and, and God alone. And so we want to look to you to bring honor to your name as we face the different things. Give us a sense of what that looks like uh, in the moment specifically as we're just wrestling with what to do. If there's any just haziness or ambiguity, God, I pray that you'll cut through it and you'll let us see this is the path to bringing glory to you. Help us to see that. We need your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.